0: I love giant antlers Um, and when I'm out hunting I'm daydreaming of giant antlers and giant animals but what's more important to me is filling that freezer.
1: Welcome to the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike. The National Wildlife Federation Outdoors Podcast is presented by Rep Your Water and their 3% for conservation commitment. My guest today is Michael Cravens. Michael works for the Arizona Wildlife Federation, our affiliate in Arizona and actually last year's affiliate of the year. I was instructed that I had to interview Michael from our mutual friend, Jesse Dubell, who's the executive director of the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, who you can hear on one of our earlier podcasts as well. And with a recommendation like that, I, I had to follow it up. Uh, Michael, um, tell me about your, your role with the Arizona Wildlife Federation and what brings you there. Sure, sure. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me.
0: Um, this is exciting. Uh, this is my, my first podcast, too. So bear with me. I'm a bit nervous and misspeak here and there. Um so, yeah, what, what brings me to uh, the Wildlife Federation is, well, obviously, you know, a, a lifelong interest in, in the outdoors and uh, wildlife, um, but then also kind of a, a perfect storm of events that allowed me to take this position, you know, when it was presented to me. Um, fortunately, yeah, I, I was working in another career that, I didn't necessarily want to be in but it but it paid our bills and uh and that was during the time that my wife was going back to school to become an RN so upon her graduation um she went to work right away and this position was presented to me uh and and as you know in advocacy you know it's 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 not a high income position. So uh, having my wife uh, become the primary breadwinner, that allowed me a little freedom to uh, to get out of what I was currently doing and uh, and explore this as an option. And I could, I can't tell you how happy I am to be in a position um, doing work that, that matters to me uh, and it matters to all of us. So yeah, I'm extremely happy to be here and doing this.
1: Well, as a, as a fellow employee of a conservation nonprofit, uh, corporation. Um, you know, some people hear the word nonprofit and and they assume that that means that nobody makes any money and us as employees of a nonprofit. Um, we do get a salary, but uh, it's often not much over not making any money. So, really? but it allows us to advocate for for wildlife and conservation and the things that we love. Um, tell me about uh, what you'll be doing in your new role uh, with the Arizona Wildlife Federation. Sure, sure. Um, my position is advocacy and communication coordinator.
0: Right now, right now, on a personal level, what I'm trying to do is learn as much as I can, and at the same time, also be productive um and be worth keeping around uh but primarily um i am taking the workload off a lot of our board members and volunteers so they can be freed up to do what what a board's supposed to do um i'm I'm handling a lot of the communications um uh magazine development i'm handling uh the e-newsletter i'm handling all the social media um and on top of that, you know, and, and, you know, I feel like this position is probably going to evolve as they move along too. And of course I'm open to that, but, but honestly, right now, I I'm, I'm just want to be useful um, while I am learning the position. So yeah, there's a lot to learn. Uh, but, um, but I'm excited to be here and excited to be doing it.
1: That's great. And um you know, your, your board has, uh, has left some big shoes to fill then if you're taking anything off oh, their plate because Brad Powell, I got yeah. to meet him uh, at the sure. annual meeting this year. Um, you know, their work helped, helped Arizona Wildlife Federation um, become actually the affiliate of, of the year. Um, tell me a little bit about the Arizona Wildlife Federation, um, its role in the state, um, a little bit about its history, maybe some of the, the things that you're working on
0: now. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Well, first off, you mentioned Brad. a terribly, terribly impressive, well educated, well spoken man. And uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to be working as closely as I am with him now. Uh, but aside from Brad, um, our board, as and I, I'm not going to make up numbers here because they'll screw it up, but there is a large amount of professional agency and biology experience on that board. I mean, we have people that have been, you know, doing this, uh, you know, either. In advocacy, are, are with the Arizona Game and Fish, um, you know, fifty plus years. We have a number of these gentlemen, and it's just it's amazing um, the amount of knowledge we have our, on our fingertips with the board here. Um, so, regarding what the kind of things we're working on, um, a lot of it, you know, is is you know, federal level type stuff that we're all experiencing, you know, whether that be land and water conservation fund or the Recovering American Wildlife Act. Um and of course climate. Climate's a big one. Um here in Arizona, it it's you know, we, we feel the effects of this, uh, I think pretty, pretty clearly in the form of, of drought. And of course, with drought, you get wildfires. And of course with that, you, you know, for instance, our population of Mount ground red squirrels, a federally listed subspecies. Um, again, I, I, I want to be careful not to not to shoot numbers out here that aren't exactly accurate, but that population took a severe hit, um, through wildfire. Um, so it's a big deal out here in the Southwest and, uh, and something that we're, we're currently always looking at working on, um, other than that, uh, mining is always a big issue here. Um, you know, we have the Rosemount Mine in southeast Arizona that uh, it pops its, its ugly head up from time to time. Uh, we have the uranium, or uranium mining up around the Grand Canyon. That's a big issue. So these are all things that we watch and work on.
1: And, and to this position, you actually bring quite a bit of experience um, in the outdoors uh, mm-hmm. to, it, to issues like this. A lot of experience with the wildlife that you'll be advocating to recover, a lot of experience on the public lands that you'll be advocating to to keep and protect. Um, tell me a little about, a bit about your experience as an outdoorsman and a naturalist.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, okay, that goes back a long, long way. Um, literally, you know, I, I've, I've spent, I'm a 44 years old now, and I have spent you know, my entire life uh, deeply immersed in natural history. I mean, it, it's been my driving force since I was a young child. And, you know, luckily I grew up on, on the edge of a small town uh, in, in Missouri and in some Ozark border country um, that allowed me to, you know, Make basically daily expeditions, you know, out exploring the the country, countryside, the farmland, the wooded hills and rivers around my home, um, and you know that along with I, I should give a shout out here to my my grandfather was bedridden with multiple sclerosis. Um, his best friend was named Fielding Chandler. Fielding Chandler uh, was the oldest scout in America. The man lived to 102 years old. Um, and he took it upon himself. Uh, and my father was out of the picture when I was, when I was young, but he took it upon himself to take my brother and I out either hiking or paddling every single weekend. So, you know, this stuff was ingrained into me at a very young age. Um, and it, it never, never wavered. I mean, even throughout my teenage years, when I was being a goofball, you know, I, I still had, had this, I had the outdoors. Um, I was introduced to hunting uh, by a neighbor of mine, actually through fishing, you know, because uh, a lot of kids like, like me or you, we probably um, share a, a childhood obsessed with fishing. But um, yeah, I got introduced to a, a neighbor that, that hunted and him and I started taking our pellet guns after squirrels. And of course, this was, you know, back in days where we had a bit more freedom to, to roam and explore. And, uh, you know, had some grand adventures, um, and, and I got hooked. Uh, that took me through um, into my mid-20s, hunting and fishing, started fly fishing seriously. That started taking me out west. Um, it was when I got out west that I was introduced to other other areas, um, you know, more what people like to call the non-consumptive side of, of outdoor recreation uh, that I started backpacking a lot and I started paddling. Um, I've done some just exquisite long backpack trips. Uh, I did the Appalachian Trail back in 2000. Then I did the Continental Divide Trail, which travels uh, from Mexico to Canada through the Rocky Mountains in 2008. Then, uh, you know, uh, and. and Since from then to now, you know, lots of little trips here and there, um, traveling around this country. Uh, I've spent a lot of time studying and looking at crayfish when I was back East, um, reptiles and amphibians have always been a a very serious interest of mine. Um, and a big reason that I I ended up in the Southwest. Then let's see, I told you, this is going to be a long story. Um, that's all right. We're here to listen. (laughs) Uh, got out West here, um, well I met, met my wife which was my girlfriend at the time and we came out to Arizona just to explore we both took jobs as, as adventure guides uh, ended up having babies out here getting married our roots got deeper and deeper and it was at that point that i had always wanted to start hunting again um after I took that long break where I was just playing around with backpacks and whatnot and uh We, uh, we were out here for about five years and I decided that was long enough. Um, and I jumped back in and, and I have not looked back. So that ended up leading me to backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, and then I should throw in there that, uh, I did volunteer, uh, and did a lot of advocacy work with, um, uh, East Ozarks Audubon Society uh, back home and man, I was doing that in my early 20s so it was basically me, a buddy of mine and a lot of old folks um, <laughs> on the small board of directors but we had a big impact on our area you know we we designated a new nature sanctuary you know we, we put up bird feeders and built a blind and it's still there today so I'm really proud of that but uh, getting back out here uh, starting and hunting again um, it brought me to backcountry hunters and anglers and you know that that's a fantastic group of people. You know, um, and there's a lot of crossover with that in the Wildlife Society and those kind of groups, whether it be backcountry hunters and anglers, Wildlife Society, uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Um, Our trout unlimited. uh, I think they really attract good, thoughtful people. That uh, you know, or maybe you could call them conservationists first, hunters second, or anglers second. But um, people that care about the outdoors and care about what happens to them, care about the future of them.
1: Yeah, Um, I've I've definitely noticed that um, here at the at the National Wildlife Federation, as well as well as in our affiliates, like. Arizona. I actually used to work for our affiliate in uh, Michigan before I, I came to work mm-hmm. here as well as uh, I was on the board of, of our state chapter of BHA as well. And I find like a lot of our, our advocates that work on the same issues and care about the same issues uh, generally become members of all the all the organizations. Yeah, and yeah. Um, a lot of them kind of, basically, if you go to 2% for conservation and look at the organizations that those companies support, it ends up being a uh, kind of this group of organizations that often, you know, we all have slightly different missions and, and sure. focuses. Uh, but if you put us together, we kind of work in the same space and the same issues, and mm-hmm. uh, it kind of makes a complete conservation mosaic when you put yeah. us together. Um, have, have you found that with, with uh, Arizona hunters and anglers as well? Were they the ones that, that kind of brought you back into Western hunting? Did you find that on your own? Or did you no, find I found that
0: on my own, um, and then that kind of took t- took me to them. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think like you and I discussed earlier, th- what I like about these groups is they kind of fall firmly in the middle of, of what I, I personally, anyway, would consider two opposite extremes. Um, so, and I, and I want to be careful here, uh, but there's. Because neither of these I want to represent is extreme because I don't believe that. But if you would have an idea of, you know, the kind of work the Sierra Club does versus the kind of work the, the Elk Federation does, um, we fall right in the middle of there. Um, and, you know, we're, we're firmly bipartisan um, and... This is how I feel on a personal level too. So I feel like I've landed in a really good spot for me because um, my ideologies are, are true to the organization that I'm working with. But um, and that, that's what I like about these groups is they can I see the value in both the consumptive and non-consumptive sides. And I know those are uh, delicate terms. Um, and I know there's a lot of argument on, you know, if they even apply. Um, but uh, it's an easy way to explain it. Um, you know, I've lived and played on both sides and I see value on both sides and the value that, that you know, all, it, the value in the work that all of these groups are doing. You know, even if I don't always agree with every little detail.
1: And, and, and with the National Wildlife Federation, I know the way that our state um, affiliates operate as well, the way I like to describe it is that we're like the Willie Nelson of conservation where the, where the rednecks and the hippies can all get along. Um, and, and kind of what we do is um, we're, not, we're not just in the middle of, of the two sides, but we're actually all encompassing of people on a little bit of the extreme on one side and the extreme on the other side. and. With the the National Federation, at least, uh, we have 52 uh, state and territorial affiliates. Um, Rough estimate, I'd say probably 29 of those are primarily the representatives of hunters and anglers in their state and Mm -hmm. the other 23 um, represent maybe like the state Audubon or environmental league or uh, watershed network. But what that does is, at least for our policy resolutions, which determine what our actual policies on the conservation issues are, it keeps our position in the middle because neither side is really going to let the other one go too far And where right. our policies land is where those two sides can find common ground for wildlife. And at least as a, as an employee, it means that when I'm, when I'm set to advocate on an issue and communicate about an issue, I know that that's an issue where, both kind of the more environmental side and the more hook and bullet side have said, you know what? We can agree on that. Let's go do it.
0: Yep. Yep. And that, that's, that's why I'm excited to be here. That That's the kind of, that's the space I want to work in.
1: Yep. Now, when you talk about uh, consumptive, um, that, that reminds me of the hat that you're wearing. Of course, if you're listening to this, you can't see this, but uh, we're, we're chatting on video chat and uh, I noticed that both of us are wearing hunt to eat uh, ball caps uh, from Matting Patelis's uh, company that, uh, he, he recorded a podcast with us earlier this summer with Nicole Qualtieri um, as well. Uh, but you're you're an ambassador for Hunt to Eat as well, not just a, a customer like me. I am. Um, tell me tell me about that process. Uh, what what do you do as an ambassador? What about um, that concept um, a, appealed to you? Sure, sure. Um, well, first off, uh,
0: you know oh, I, I will will never fib. Um, I love giant antlers. Um, and when I'm out hunting, I'm daydreaming of giant alligators and giant animals. But what's more important to me is filling that freezer. Um, I take a great deal of pride uh, in the fact that 90, I'd say 95%, basically at least all the red meat, you know, minus a few chickens here and there uh, that my family consumes is, is wild meat. And that's meat that, my taking had literally has zero environmental impact, um, other than the gasoline it takes me to go out there and get it. Um, and, you know, and I know that's not feasible for everyone. But, but it makes me feel good about my family and how I'm doing things. So the food aspect of hunting is a very big deal to me. Um, it, it's, taught me it's taught me how to cook as well. You know, if you're going to kill an animal and bring it home, you, you want to sh- show it the respect it deserves and do your best with it. So I've learned a lot uh, with that. In fact, uh, myself and uh, my partner, Jonathan O'Dell, who is uh, widely known as a small game biologist in, in here in Arizona, uh, we, uh, we won the uh, wild game cook-off at the by Country Hunters and rendezvous last year and I've uh, still got the trophy sitting up here next to me and uh with our current pandemic I might not even have to give it up for a while so <laughs> I would be happy to give it up to someone else but it looks like I might be hanging on to it for a little bit
1: I um, yeah, think uh, yep. Michigan came in what second or third they, I know they're they I know they place yeah.
0: but you're the I one I don't remember all up. the places but yes I remember them I remember them <laughs> place and though I was excited and beer fueled and um, so the whole thing <laughs> is a big old blur to me but it was a great time and some fantastic dishes were made for sure
1: you you got a a pretty full freezer uh this year um I've had a tell, great tell year me a little year. bit about um how, how your season went over the past year <laughs> and uh um, some of some of the animals that that you hunted sure, and, sure. and the meals that you made from them yeah this um this is
0: gonna sound like bragging but i promise <laughs> you it's literally just a representation of how lucky i was this year and i was lucky um Uh, I don't think I've mentioned yet. Um, I have two small children. I've got a four-year-old little girl and a seven-year-old boy and and a wonderful wife. Um, So I'm busy. You know, I think anybody in that part of their life will understand just how busy that is. Um, And I'm also an obsessive outdoorsman that needs my time in the outdoors. So, it's hard to get out. It's very hard to get out. Plus, I, I live in the, the middle of I think what is touted as the fifth largest city in the world. I might be wrong, but it's a big city and I'm right smack dab in the middle. So not easy to get out and get a hunt in before work in the morning kind of thing. But this year um, I got extremely lucky and every one of the animals I mentioned, I literally took on my first day out. Um, so, if you look at my Instagram page, you think, oh, this guy's in the field all the time. Not really the case. I'm working all the time, taking care of my kids all the time. Um, but I just got really lucky this year. Uh, so, I started with an elk uh, with my rifle. Um, then, uh, no, I'm sorry, I started with a bear I took with my bow this year, and that was exciting. Um, you know, a kind of a spot and stock situation on the ground eight yards away um so just it's a really exciting hunt there um terrible pack out following up but uh, (laughs) then uh and bear has quickly become one of the favorite meats in my family everybody loves it and i love it but um black bear Mm-hmm. yeah black bear uh we haven't had grizzlies in arizona unfortunately for a very long time but fortunately i guess depending on who you talk to but um then i took uh i took an elk with my rifle and of course that's that's the big one that's the meat for the year you know and it's a, an internal struggle i'm having regularly is here in arizona you know it, it it differs depending on what you're doing but you're looking at anywhere from three to five to seven years in between bull elk tags especially rut tags um So I have this dichotomy of wanting to put meat in the freezer every year, which I can almost hunt every year for cows. Uh, But also, you know, I want to go out and chase those retin bulls with my bow. And so I got to figure out what's more important to spell in that freezer or waiting on that tag. But um, following that up, uh, I took a deer with my bow, a mule deer with my bow and uh then my boy and i we went out just a couple weeks ago um and it was his kind of first big game hunt and uh we ended up working hard all day and ended up with uh with javelina um now to be clear again every one of those animals was taken on my first day out again purely luck no skill there (laughs) but um but to, to even it out a little bit uh in arizona we can take one deer per year um so my deer I took in 2019, 2020 comes around, I can buy another tag and go chase deer again, you know, for another month. Um, and I hunted hard that month and <laughs> I didn't kill anything. So it didn't even get close. So it wasn't all great. So hopefully that's not a representation of what 2020 is going to be like for me, but I, hopefully this lucky streak
1: holds out. But That's, that's great. What, what do you use for, um, for ammunition with your, with your rifle hunt for your own? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I've, I've gone,
0: all copper, um, or monolithic. Uh, and I'm not trying to make a political statement there. You know, I, I try to be respectful of everybody's opinions and ideologies, but for me, it's a no brainer. Um, they work, they work great. Uh, I've had zero bad experiences. Um, so yeah, Barnes is what I'm shooting now. Okay. Um, yeah, I would recommend everybody try it. You know, even if you, even if you're unsure about it, give it a try. It shoots great. And it drops animals.
1: You know, that, that that's, that's what I hear. Um, I, I haven't, um, I haven't hunted out because here in uh, Michigan, yeah. uh, we do have an elk herd of about a 1,000, but um, we get about um, 50,000 applications for about 200 tags every year. Yeah. You get one yeah. a lifetime, yeah. and I haven't drawn it yet. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, at the National Wildlife Federation, we encourage the voluntary use of, of non-lead mm-hmm. ammunition. Absolutely. But you have an interesting program in Arizona in the Condor region, where the Arizona Department of Fish and Game um, incentivizes the voluntary adoption of non-lead um you know through various measures in that range do you is that the area where you yeah. were in or is that a different part of the state um
0: actually you know I, I was up in that area i did not pay attention because i was already shooting copper but uh-huh. i was in unit 10 this past year and, and that, that goes all the way up to the grand canyon it's a big unit um, and that is where our condos are um, As far as that incentive program, I know that there was, I I, I remember reading there was some incentive, there was some free ammunition available, things like that. It is a voluntary program. They strongly want you to, but I don't know what the current state of those incentives are, so I can't really speak on that. Um, But, yeah, they they do encourage it, and uh, I think that's great. And I think a lot of people up there do take it seriously, Um, and I, I certainly hope so. I know they've had a lot of success with that program. I just can't speak on the exact details.
1: Yeah, and and I did a little bit of research on that for a paper I wrote, uh, article I wrote for National Wildlife Magazine just on the basic details of it. Um, they do that. They do uh, uh, trade-in for ammunition. Um, and if you don't do that, then they encourage you to pack it out. I think they have yeah, something like a 95% pilots. compliance rate um, with that. It's actually become a model for, voluntary incentive programs as opposed to uh, yeah. regulatory like what California is doing. Yeah. yeah. Arizona is
0: very much one of those states that doesn't like being told what to do. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think that's great in a lot of cases, um, in a lot of cases, maybe not so much, but, um, in, in areas like that, um, you can't argue with the results. Uh, yeah. you know, people do seem to respect it. I, I think they appreciate not being mandated to do things and, um, You know, Arizona loves to like point fingers at California when it comes to the mandated things. But
1: I'm happy to help you do that. Um, (laughs) now, uh, when, when you, when you started using copper, was it, um, was there a consideration of not leaving lead, um, in, in the game meat that you put in your freezer? Was it primarily for the performance of it? No, no, no. Um,
0: it, it was, it was primarily for the environmental impact. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a California condor, they are an exquisite beast. Um, you know, and, and I love all birds, all raptors, you know, I, I'm very much, I'm not just a sportsman. Um, yeah, I love all manner of wildlife and, and I get excited about all of it. Um, and if, if, if I can less my impact on the overall ecosystem by making a simple switch like that, you know, that, that's, that's my motivation. Um, now I will say, sure. Do I feel good that my, the meat I'm serving, my children isn't full of blood. Yes. Um, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, even, even if it's uh, just a, a small, small tiny fraction of a chance that that could be harmful to them. Yeah. You, know, you don't expose your children to that. And it's just, it's just such an easy thing to do, you know,
1: that's, that's, that's great to hear. Um, I've, I've switched, uh, myself and I'll be honest, it wasn't on my radar before I came to work for the federation. And, yeah. um, for those same concerns up where I, uh, hunt and fish, we have eagles and loons and, and they're the reason I switched for, um, yep. tying flies to make loons sure that all flies contain to non-lead and yeah. all that, all that kind of thing. Um, now do you still have quite a bit, um, as far as, uh, sustaining you through, um, you know, into now as, as all of us, uh, at least much of us around the country are in this lockdown state and we're making- oh, You know, well, one thing about this, this
0: uh, unfortunate situation we're in with the pandemic is it's for me anyway, it's made me realize how fortunate I really am. Um, now, granted, it's a little scary that my wife works in a hospital, but she, she works in a heart hospital. So right now she's not on the front lines of it. I know they've had a couple cases there. Um, and you know, that could change, obviously things get worse. Um, I am, I'm extremely grateful. I got a freezer full of meat. Um, a lot of people don't have that. And you know, that might not become an issue for us societally. Anyway, I've got a lot of faith that we're going to be just fine as a society. Um, but, uh, I, I'm grateful that I do have this position which allows me to largely work from home during this. So, so my wife and I are both employed. Um, and we got a lot of meat in the freezer. Uh, I, I'm in a very good situation and yes, it's, it's made me realize just how well off I am. You know, a lot of people are really hurting right now. Um, yeah, I, I feel for them, but, but I'm also very grateful to be where I am right now.
1: Yeah. And it's, that's kind of the approach that we've taken at, um, at the National Wildlife Federation, as well, um, our, our offices are closed at least through the end of April. Um, everybody's working from home, but everybody's working, and, and yep. we're all very grateful for yeah, that. So there's and still plenty of work
0: to do. There's no question about uh, that.
1: We're, we're privileged in, in 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 being able to do that because a lot of a lot of folks aren't. Um, and, and certainly, keeping people healthy is is our is our first concern. And um, Helping, helping folks get back on their feet if, if they're not in that, that case is, is the second. So we've actually slowed down some of our advocacy understanding that some of our federal sure. issues right now are are not at the top of the priority concern for Washington right now. And we, rec- we recognize that. Um, what, what is Arizona wildlife Federation doing? Are, are you all working from home now as well? As, yeah. As yeah. The, the staff is, yeah.
0: um, you know, we, uh, we've got three full-time staffers and, and a few contract people. Um, and again, yeah, fortunately there's plenty of work to keep us all busy. Um, and, and, you know, your statements mirror, you know, us in Arizona as well, you know, uh, uh public safety comes first, um, all for, you know, a lot of fun stuff has been canceled, you know, hopefully we can get back to normal and get all these things rescheduled. But for now, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, no, no public events. Um, you know, we're, we're toning back our fundraising type of stuff. You know, people are hurting right now and you, you don't want to hammer them for, for donations. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of the same things that you just spoke about, um, you know, just trying to be careful and, and, and move forward delicately, still get our message out there, still communicate with our supporters. Um yeah, keep our heads down and, and drive through.
1: Yeah. Now we're still doing work. Um, you know, what, what yeah. we've shifted into is a lot of the background planning um, mm-hmm. to make sure that that we're successful with you know, we still have a job to do for wildlife. And, sure. and we're still doing that job. In fact I met you for the first time uh Earlier this week on a on a video conference call uh, for Recovering America's Wildlife Act planning, um, and so all that's still going on. You know, we're we're still doing the behind the scenes job. We're shifting. We're adapting. We're still working for wildlife. Um, but but we're we're being cognizant of the situation and understand what the first priority for the country and our, our neighbors and our family is.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, you know these things that we work on, they're they're not just going away. Um, they're there, um, and they're still a big problem. Uh, and you know if they try to slip that uranium mine in there in the Grand Canyon, we're going to be right there fighting it. You know, regardless okay. of our current situation.
1: Now, um, you you have uh, uh children that you mentioned uh. Mm-hmm four and seven is is that right yes advantage of the free ranger uh rick uh program going on just so folks know um we publish ranger rick magazines and at least through uh, the middle of the summer we've made all the online content free for uh folks who are newly homeschooling their kiddos um have you had a chance to take a look at those yet man you put me on the spot um (laughs) I, uh, and I'm
0: so ashamed of myself. I have not yet. I was just talking this morning how I got to take advantage of that. Um, I grew up with that magazine. Um, so, so I'm a fan and I want that to be a part of my children's lives. Um, but you know, as you know, it's working from home with two kids. And if my wife's work at work, I've got two hungry kids all day long. They're always hungry. Um, you know, I've got a seven month old German short haired pointer pup that is full of energy. Um, you know, and I got to give my kids some kind of education, you know, while they're out of school. So it's tough juggling all these things. So that's my excuse for not having signed them up yet. But um, I, you know, what I, I'll, I will promise you right now it'll be done by this evening. Um, and it is something I've been planning on.
1: Yeah, I had a neighbor ask me how I'm keeping busy. I said, we've got two uh, parents working from home full-time while also trying to take <laughs> care of a, of a 13-month-old uh, toddler. I said, the problem isn't keeping busy, it's finding a spare minute. Right, um, right. I, I, I think I've tied fewer flies since the lockdown went into place than I did in the, oh, sure. in the beforehand. So,
0: yeah, 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 I hear all these stirrings about people with time on their hands and need <laughs> something to do. And you know, I got one buddy uh, here in Arizona, Dave, Dave Ross. Uh, just a fantastic human being he's he's on the board of directors with backcountry hunters and anglers and just a phenomenal wild game cook and he is spitting stuff out on social media every day and it, i'm just feeling inadequate um i don't know where. actually you know what? i know he doesn't have time he's a nurse but but he's finding it somewhere and i don't know how people are doing it because i'm just busy as could be you
1: yeah. know well, uh, I'm privileged uh, to, to, to be busy and uh, privileged to be busy getting to interview you and uh, learn about your work in the Arizona Wildlife Federation as part of my job. Um, where can people learn more about the Arizona Wildlife Federation? Sure, sure. Um,
0: azwildlife.org is our website. Uh, Definitely get on there. Have a look. There's a lot of good history about us. Um, You know, you can find out who our board of directors is. You can find out who our staffers is. You can find out about projects we're working on. Um, And also you can sign up for our e-newsletter and that will keep you up to date. Then, uh, of course, we have the the regular social media channels. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. So any any of those sources can keep you up up to date on, on what we're currently working on.
1: Great. And uh, since we've already mentioned Hunt to Eat and they help support our uh, non-led campaign as well, uh, check out Hunt to Eat at eatcom And as always, check out Rep Your Water at repyourwater.com who supports the podcast with a 3% conservation commitment. Um, any any final words for the, for the listeners before we sign off, Michael? Oh, not so much
0: uh, other than Man, I, I again, I, I'm repeating myself, but I can't tell you how happy I am uh, in a position, you know, serving, you know, listeners, listeners like you have, you know, the people that that care about this, and um, you know, and they're all out there working hard on it, volunteering their time, and and here I am in a position where, you know, I, I get to work on this for at least eight hours a day and, and get paid for it, and I, I'm extremely grateful for that, and I, and I certainly hope I can, I can make it all worth it, uh, earn my keep, so to speak. Um, yeah, that's all I would have to say. I think, uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be serving folks like your listeners.
1: Terrific. And, uh, from the, from what I've heard about you, from folks like, uh, Jesse DuBell in New Mexico, you'll do a fine job of that. Uh-huh. So, um, go back and, uh, check out the episode with, uh, Jesse as well as the episode with, uh, Martin Patelis of Hunt to Eat as well. This has been the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngday.